Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to our Ramadan reflections. And as usual, we will start with the verse uh, for today. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Am kuntum shuhada'a idh hadara ya'quba al-mawt. Idh qala libanihi ma ta'buduna min ba'di. قالوا نعبد إلهك وإله آبائك إبراهيم وإسماعيل وإسحاق إلها واحدة ونحن له مسلمون. So this is a verse from Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 133 of Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala depicts a particular scene of somebody very close to death, with all of his children, everybody around him. So this is Yaqub alayhi salam. Now Yaqub alayhi salam had gone through so much in his life with his children, uh, Yusuf alayhi salam and his brothers. Uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, were you present when death appeared before Yaqub, before Jacob? Were you present when death appeared before Yaqub? Behold, he said to his sons, what will you worship after me? They said, we shall worship your God. The God of your fathers, of Abraham, Ibrahim, Ismail and Ishaq, the one true God, to him we bow down, to him only in Islam, meaning to, only to him we submit. So that was a very straightforward question. And that was a very, very straightforward answer. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is something that we can all experience at our deaths as well, inshaAllah. So this is obviously a part of the Qur'an and um, the address obviously is to us as believers, as the Muslim and the, uh, the Muslim community, but it's obviously speaking about Yaqub salam's time and what it's telling us to do is to, of course we were not there, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, أَمْ كُنْتُمْ شُهَدَاءَ إِذْ حَضَرَ يَعْقُوبَ الْمَوْتِ like, were you present? Were you witness when Yaqub was overcome by death? You know, when he was close to dying, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us that, were you present? No, we weren't. But since Allah has told us that through the Quran, it's as good as having been a witness there, all right? And this is the Quran's way of making things uh, alive, of engaging uh, the readers and of making them think and visualize these things. So we're told to visualize, imagine Yaqub down there, right? And with his children, and then he asks this question. And now we're going to ask, why did he ask this question? Okay, that's what we're going to do. Now, reading this without any attention, you're going to miss out. You know, if you just read this like this, oh, that's what Yaqub did, and he got that answer. Very straightforward if you read it literally. You're going to really then miss out on the legal aspects, the historical aspects, the cultural aspects, and the inner meanings of this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to ponder the Quran for a lot of this meaning. Okay? So firstly, the universal message that is mentioned in here, the clear, obvious message that's enunciated in this verse, is that everybody is born mortal. Everybody dies. Right? Even prophets, they die. They go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they're life expires when the time in this world rather when it expires because the life will continue into the hereafter but a time in this world has expired so this is 
as I said, a very special feature of the Quran for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that were you a witness to this, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to evoke the full attention of the reader. Right? He wants us to listen carefully about this. So he asks his sons, Yusuf, Yaqub salam asks his sons that what are you going to worship after me? Okay. Now, um, you can remember Yusuf salam's story, Yaqub salam's story. There's a whole discussion about that. So I'm not going to repeat all of that, but it's after all of that. Now, at the time of death, this is a very important time for a lot of people. Just imagine people that you know, and if you had an interaction with them before death, they're always thinking that that's when they become the most serious. All right, and they're cons- they're, they are very, very concerned about what happens in the future. Now, do you think a Muslim today would ever ask this question that was posed by Yaqub to his children? Right? Do you think we would ask them that, what are you going to believe after me? You know, I probably wouldn't have asked that question. Right? That, what are you going to believe after me? And the reason I wouldn't have probably asked that question, you know, I guess many devout Muslims, you know, whether they're scholars, mashayikh, spiritual masters, whatever, we would doubt that they would probably ask this question in this way. All right? Because, you know, throughout their life, you've been instructing our children to the fundamentals of Islam, the monotheism, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who he is, and that you must worship him. We've actually seen our children praying in the masjids, doing salat at home, uh, teaching Islam even maybe, you know, memorizing the Quran, studying that and so on. So that's why we've be kind of become complacent. We've taken it for granted that that is exactly what's going to happen. So even on a deathbed, right, I, I doubt most people are going to verify the faith of their children unless there's a reason for doubt, right? So if there's no reason for doubt, I doubt we would do that, right? Now, why did Yaqub do that? You think he had doubt? No. Now, if we are to, if we look at this in a different way, that you know, mashallah, throughout history, there's been many, many, many people who've left behind their writings, they've left behind legacies, they've left behind wills, right? So, if you were to actually go and take and look for many of the wills that great people of the past have left, right, you're going to find quite a large selection. Now, for that, you can study these wills, uh, you know, for historical insight, right? They they provide a great historical record. Right, of what people used to think in those days and what was important to them and what because you know things that you speak about, about before you die right that you leave as a bequest or leave as a guidance right or leave as you know some, some kind of instruction at your death that's going to be probably the most important thing so you know aside from that you know from a language perspective there's the literary features gives you an understanding of the human psyche right so if you, if you study the wills of the ulama of the past, and there's many, like there's whole collections of the wasaya of, uh, you know, the, the mashayikh and the ulama of the past, religious leaders, reformers, activists, rulers, officials, right? Anybody who you could say would stand out, if you were to look at their wills, for example, even, you'll get a fair idea of the relationship between parents and children, all right? You'll get a good idea of what's a response, or what the relationship was between the parent and the children, you, you'll get an understanding of the human feelings, the emotions, the wisdoms, the intellectual brilliance of these people, right? It gives you an understanding of the interplay between uh, human, intricate human psychology, right? Of what they think about in, during these times. And what you'll see is that if you look across the board, whether it be ulama or leaders or whatever it is, right? Meaning, uh, 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 what do you call it? People with pe- people who had been rulers or whatever. What you're going to see is quite... 
um, a synchrony and a harmony in terms of what they said at their death. There's some really basic points that they all speak about. And this is, they're quite identical, to be honest. Most people are quite identical, irrespective of the different eras uh, that, that they lived in, the mental, social, cultural, and religious backgrounds that they came from. They're pretty much saying still the same thing, even though they're worlds apart and times apart, right? Generations apart. Okay, so this is what you'll generally find in a will, and you'd expect that that's what you would leave as well. They impart advice of patience, like be patient after me, be patient after me, right? They'll say that to their near and dear ones. They will tell their children to be united, to stay together and not to uh, conflict and quarrel with one another, especially over the inheritance. That is, at least all decent people would say that because subhanAllah, I mean, some people die without doing that and they leave behind a fire that rages. Some will tell people to go and repay any de debt owed by them. Okay, that's another thing. Then they'll tell them that go and, you know, so-and-so owes me money. So they'll leave uh, instruction on who owes them money. And thus you can go and, uh, you know, take our uh, loan back. And, uh, you know, it's also common that you're going to leave your legal papers, you know, official documents and so on. Right. Now, if you're very God conscious and religious, then you'll insist that make sure that my loans are repaid and my salat, the fidya is given if there's anything, if I've missed any prayers and if I've got any zakat or whatever, or maybe even possibility, then I'm going to give some fidya and expiation as well. That's the general thrust of the wills that you'll see of the majority of people. All right. However, in the case under study that we have, the children of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, of Allah's messengers are involved here, okay? They are probably much better than us. Yes, they made mistakes, but they're probably much better in terms of, you know, they came from a house in which the wahi and revelation, right, was, was normal, okay? Their father was a prophet. Th their brother was a prophet, right? They've got probably nephews who are prophets and so on and so forth. They've got uncles who are prophets and so on. They've probably seen their mother turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fervently, in every crisis, the iman is must be great by now, right? And these children probably were unaware of any other doctrine besides Islam and Tawheed and monotheism and so on. So why did Yaqub al-Islam have to say, I mean, if anybody needs it, it's our children. We've got a crisis in faith these days, right? Subhanallah, there are people with crisis in faith. And there's many people who don't even know that their children are losing their faith. There's people who don't know they're losing their faith. Subhanallah. But the Prophet the Prophet Yaqub rather, is seen in this passage as not taking any chances. Right? And the, the reason for that, where do you get that from? That you get from when somebody's so particular about something, so focused on something, when they consider something to be so significant, right? That you don't want to leave anything to chance. Right? You don't want to allow any kind of speculation. You don't want any doubt about it. So that's why uh, in, a, in a crisis like that, what one would frankly say what they have to say, there'd be no embarrassment or anything. Right? For example, you know, if one falls ill, then one wants to inform their children about it. Right? And they inform their children about their pains. And they ask them to call a physician. They're not going to hide that anymore because now it's a life and death situation. Likewise, if somebody is very, very hungry, you know, you're going to generally relate how hungry you are so that somebody feeds you okay so these are the last moments also you don't have much time left you don't have too much energy you've got to focus on what's to come but you can tell that Yaqub was probably very comfortable about what was to come 
right? That though he had less time and these, he was going to be in the throes of death very soon, right? He spoke of these as last words to the family, right? And they're very different from what other people would say, right? You know, generally, again, people who say, look after, the, look after your mother, look after the females of your family, maintain ties of kinship, don't forget your relatives, help your brothers and sisters out, help the weaker ones, and so on and so forth. He took a very different, you know, his focus was the eternal success of his children. His focus was, how are they going to die? Because that's the ticket for eternal success. Otherwise, it would be a massive and a serious loss for him. So that's why he asks this question, right? The preservation of the faith. That's why he asks him a simple question. Subhanallah, simple question, right? What is going to be your adherence to your faith? So he assembles them, right? Now, I would assume that because Yaqub is dying at an older age, right? You know, he was dying at an older age. He had all of these children and they had, uh, you know, they were, they were older. Yusuf had become old enough to... Uh, become the minister of Egypt and then of course they carried on and the, the the parents passed away afterwards so he could have had his grandchildren there there would have been nephews there there may have been other you know other relatives that are gathered there as well and in this particular situation he says so what are you going to worship after me right he wanted to ascertain their level of faith and put his mind at rest and go with this beautiful, you know, people want to go comfortably from this world, even though they're leaving it all from behind, as though it's going to help them somehow. It's an amazing human feeling. So the Quran or any other works, when you read about this story, this, uh, there's, it doesn't refer to any other issues that he may have raised. Like, did he speak about other things and has the Quran only mentioned this? We don't find that information anywhere else. So, Wallahu alam, right? And uh, so he's looking for a very specific uh, reply. And mashallah, they affirm their unwavering faith in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran doesn't detail anything else about this meeting, right? You know, did the children, when they hear this, did they express surprise? That why are you asking us this question? Don't you trust us? Don't you think we're believers? Not at all. You know, you, you've been telling us, you know, we've been believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all this time. Why would you have to ask us at this time? I guess we'd be surprised. But no, it doesn't mention that. It just mentions their very prompt and reassuring reply. We shall worship your God, the God of your fathers, Ibrahim, Ishaq. And uh, uh, th that's what they said. They affirm their allegiance to their forefathers to their ancestors, right? And I guess they had been eloquently warned before of the consequence of polytheism. So that's why there was something that they were not going to do. They would have probably preferred death over that, right? And mashallah, they reassured Yaqub alayhi salam and they satisfied him on his deathbed. And essentially this is the, while this verse was just an incident of how Yaqub alayhi salam died and he asked this question, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not mention incidents like that for nothing. It is just not a fact. It's just not a point of history. Right? There's a reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned this to underscore the importance of monotheism. And over that, that if a prophet can ask his children these things and he's concerned about that at that time, he didn't do this to show people. 
that, oh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to reveal this in the Quran. So I'm doing this now. No, he did this because he had a concern about this because faith was so important. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also uh, help us to ensure that our children also adhere to this as well. And we can ask about these questions along with any other important question. But the first thing is that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to remain on the straight path ourselves and to bring, us, bring up our children. And that's a struggle nowadays is to bring up our children in a way that they will become the coolness of our eyes and they will give us such a reassuring uh, answer and a response so that we can enjoy our time in the hereafter. Every Muslim is supposed to read this and to draw lessons from it. Right? That's the purpose of the Quran. Small, small verses like this, you're understanding from these reflections how you can open these up and how they provide, provide such broad and sweeping uh, bits of guidance for us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us. May Allah grant us the kalima on our deathbed. May Allah allow us and our children and our progenies until the day of judgment to pre proclaim His oneness, His oneness and never deviate from this path. Allah bless you all. Please make a dua for us as well. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.